Welcome to Kyla's Q&A. I'm Justin Myrick, and recently my son Drake said I need new intro music. So let's do this. Hey Dad, how about some college questions? Let's hear them. Let's hear them. All right, we are live with our latest episode of College Questions. We're so glad you're listening in, and I'm so excited about this episode. We are doing our sixth career spotlight, and today we are doing a spotlight on missionary. I'm so excited about this guest. He and I had the privilege to meet, or I had the privilege of meeting this man uh, 14 years ago on the other side of the planet and got to learn uh, about him and his life as a missionary and how he led his family and serve the people around him and his community and just so grateful to have him on the show and to have you hear from uh, from him on how he got into this and what it's like to be a missionary, what he loves about it. So uh, please welcome to the podcast, my good friend, Ryan Dyer. Ryan, thanks for coming on the podcast. You bet. So glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes, sir. Well, uh, it's crazy to think that 14 years have gone by since you and I met. Uh, it doesn't feel like that, but now all your kids that were little then uh, are much older now, like grown up, like growing up quickly. So yeah, um, well, when we met, we only had one. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Wow. I remember that. So, so that's cool. And then now we got some kids of our own. Yeah. yeah. So our families have grown. And uh, so it's just, it's neat. And the Lord still has you in a missionary role, which I think is really cool. And I'd love to to hear more about that, um, just how, like, because a lot of times you do hear about people who um, are on the mission field for a short time, you know, feel called to do it for life, but then they, things happen and there's different reasons for that. But obviously you guys, I would consider an exception, which I think is an encouraging one that you guys are still doing the thing God's called you to. And so um, I'd love to get into that. But first I would love to know just how you got in uh, this field, which uh, just being a missionary, was that something that, when, when did you start feeling that uh, leading? Uh, how, how did that happen? Uh, so I actually became a Christian when I was 22. Okay. Uh, I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, we were your typical Christians that went to church on Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't have any faith, really, and it took uh, my dad's death to mm-hmm. push me towards searching. And uh, it was a few months after his death that I finally uh, realized my need and realized God provided a solution. So uh, I was a believer and pretty quickly, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I got connected with the missions pastor at this church I was going to Okay. and told him like, look, I'm really interested in this. Um, I don't Hmm. remember how long or if it's just like a trip or what. And he gave me this book to read. He's like, just read this. It'll be interesting. It's called God at the Controls. And it was all about this uh, missionary down in South America who was kidnapped. Okay. By like drug smugglers or something to that effect. Wow. And uh, hidden in the jungle and kept in like a little hut type thing. And following God's leading, he escapes from the hut like repositioned his plane out from under the trees and everything. And there were people around him and it's like God blinded them. What? So I picked up this book and I started reading it and I didn't put it down until I finished it. Wow. And uh, that kind of started things for me. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And of course 
I mean, I've experienced some amazing things in the field, but nothing quite like that. So don't expect that if you go into missions. But, uh, you know, God does amazing things in our lives. And uh, so I started uh, thinking about going overseas just for a short trip or uh, YWAM has this program called Discipleship Training School. Okay. And they do like three months at a school and you're just learning about the word. And it's like you live in dorms and it's just constant uh, surrounding by uh, classes and worship and everything. And so you do three months at a field or a school and then three months on a mission trip. And so I was planning on going to uh, California to do the training in the school and then three months in Vietnam after that. Wow. And uh, so... There I was, I was sent, I had written out my support letter and my brother was helping me because he had been a Christian for longer. And, uh, then I just kind of felt God say, not now. Mm. And I didn't particularly like that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, we do, it's a, I love that honesty because that's a hard one to accept. Yeah. I mean, like so often, I mean, it's like God saying, do this. And I'm like, but I'd kind of rather do this over here. Exactly. So it's all about obedience. So mm. I stopped and reluctantly. And another thing we had been praying, I joined this small prayer group at my church in Arizona, similar age guys, similar situations. And uh, we had all been praying about meeting our wives and praying for them. And uh, so my, this was probably 10 months after my dad died. And mm. I wanted to go home for Christmas because my dad died a week before Christmas. So I wanted to be mm. with my family. And I approached my uh, boss and I said, hey, I need to go home for Christmas. And she said, you can do that, but you have no vacation time because I had spent it all taking care of my dad, mm. staying afterwards for the uh, memorial service and all that. And so at that time, I was living paycheck to paycheck, and I didn't have enough money to go unpaid for a week. But I felt like this was something I was supposed to do. So this yeah. is one of those early situations, early in the faith, where you're like, okay, God, you know, like, <laughs> mm. you say, I feel like you're telling me to do this. I don't have the habit, so that whole provision thing you talk about, it's a step up. <laughs> and so I prayed about it. And then the next day I got a call from my work saying, hey, uh, so this was a franchise organization, and my dad used to own one of the stores that the franchising company sold. Mm. And they said, we have three stores opening up in December. And we need you to open one because we only have two people that do it mm. and you have experience in the shop and everything. So they said, you willing to do that? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So when time came around, I was flying out on a Saturday and I had already worked 40 hours that week and I was hourly. So from the moment my key left the door, I was on the clock making time and a half, which was great. Mm. And uh, this is early December now. So I'm, I had already bought the tickets to go home without having the money wow. to pay bills. Mm. And so that overtime started and I'm in, I fly from Arizona to Dallas and then Dallas on to South Carolina. And in the airport in Dallas, there was this woman wearing a shirt that said YWMDTS. Hmm. And I started talking to her and I said, so did you do the DTS? She said, yeah. 
And then she said, look, uh, this is back before 9-11, mind you, so friends and family could go to the gate with you. Mm-hmm. And she said, uh, I'm just dropping off my roommate, and I have to go because I only have a handful of quarters to pay for my parking. I was like, all right, see you later. And uh, I actually started the conversation with a sweet pickup line. And I said, hey, you ladies know of any <laughs> churches in South Carolina I can visit? <laughs> and so she split. And so I ended up talking to her roommate. And she was making a, a scrapbook of her summer mission trip in Gaza. Uh, the Gaza Very cool. Yeah. yeah, totally. And uh, so we start chatting and we have a one hour layover. She was flying out of there to begin with. And uh, so that one hour layover, we chatted. Then the plane was three hours late to the gate. <laughs> chatted that three hours, got on the plane, Come on. sitting by herself, and there was nobody on board. And the flight attendant's like, sit wherever you want. So she came <laughs> to me. And I was thinking, man, this girl's pretty cute. And I don't know. Uh, and so we sat on the tarmac for two hours and then flew for three hours. So I, and then about let's see that was december about a year and a half later i married her wow and uh so that come on like, so we were talking about missions and this and that and she was called the missions like from an, uh when she was a teenager mm. and uh she of course was like well if you get bored in south carolina give me a call and i can show you around well, I had already pretty much decided the moment she said that. I was call her, but it's just like, how long do I wait to pretend to be? Oh. I can take advantage of that. That's and, awesome. Uh, so anyway, we have a couple dates while I'm in South Carolina. And then I start writing letters. She's writing back. We start calling. And it was pretty quick. My wife made an amazingly smart decision. <laughs> I want all of your listeners to hear this, especially if they're called the missions. Right. Don't get involved with someone who isn't called the missions. Mm. Okay. Because I have seen people who are, say, I'm going to be a lifelong missionary. They meet somebody, marry them, and they never go overseas. Mm. So if you feel like God's calling you to missions, mm. you need to protect. You want to be matched up with somebody who feels the same. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So my mm. wife was like, we prayed, like, should we even continue this relationship? Mm. And even we fasted together for a week and didn't talk that entire week. And God gave us both like approval basically mm. to continue. Yeah. And, uh, so it wasn't long after that, and that's independent of her, that I started feeling called to missions. And that whole idea of being called to something is very uh, hard to explain. For sure. But the best way I've always worded it is just, I couldn't really imagine doing much else. Mm. That's what I felt like I was supposed to do. Yeah. So it wasn't uh, until after all that, then I proposed, we went out and got married and it was weird because we planned, you, you have to, at least with Southern Baptist, you have to be married for a year before you can go overseas, mm. which sometimes I think is far too short a period of time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you want to have a pretty good steady relationship. Yeah, yeah. That first year, sure. just figuring each other out. Mm, yep. And, uh, mm. But when we, they had told us, when you're ready to go, let us know about six months ahead of time. Mm. 
And so we called them and we're like, hey, we're ready to go. And they said, okay, it's about a two-year waiting period right now. Mm. So we ended up waiting a little longer than we expected. And actually it was what we feel that was what was needed anyway. Mm. And uh, yeah, so we moved overseas in 2005. Uh, wow. Come back. We're right now on what we call stateside assignment where you just kind of come home mm-hmm. this time because of COVID. We don't have as many speaking Yes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this is our fourth time home in 15 years. Wow. 15 yeah. years, man. That's, that's incredible, man. Yeah. Well, I'd love to, man, you know, you do hear, I heard somewhere along the lines, like a lot of missionaries go home because of conflict with the people they work with. Oh, um, I don't know. I mean, obviously there's probably a lot of reasons, but I would love to just ask you, you know, you and your family have been doing this for 15 years. It sounds like, you know, you're excited when the, you know, everything's different right now, like you said with COVID, but I don't sense anything from you. Like, like you want to do this, you know, for the rest of your life. So how, how have you guys stayed um, faithful to what you, you feel like God's called you to? Um, Cause obviously I imagine there've been bumps in the road. I mean, I imagine it hasn't been, you know, because uh, sometimes sometimes people do make that mistake where they feel like if they make a decision for God that it should be just smooth sailing. And if there's bumps or challenges, like wait a second, did I make a bad decision? Yeah. Um, and so I don't, you know. Um, but how, how? What's been the what's been the secret for you guys, or just the what's helped you guys to to stay for this long? Sure. Well, I can tell you that it isn't smooth sailing. <laughs> you know, my mother-in-law loves to say. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And I'm like, uh, want to bet? Uh, <laughs> it's not the safest place to be. It's the right place to be. Yeah. Define safe. Yeah, exactly. Definitely yeah. not the safest place to be. It's like uh, the quote from uh, when they ask about Aslan. Remember, they said, yeah. uh, is he safe? And they were like, safe? What? I, I should, I've got to get that quote down. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I, I, I know exactly it's, which quote you're talking he's about. He's like, I couldn't, I couldn't it's quote. essentially he's like... Um, Oh, I'm gonna have to look that up later. I feel bad now, but it's yeah, like, it's it's essentially. But he's good. He's dangerous. There it is. Yes, he's anything. But yeah, but he's good. Exactly. That's right. It is something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's good. But it's it's in line with kind of what we're we're trekking on that same little yeah, yeah, thought line, which is good. We, yeah, we've been through a lot of bumps, and mm. uh, I mean, we've been deported from a country, which mm. isn't terribly fun. Um, yeah, you know, I was put in jail in the airport. And my wife, we couldn't talk. She didn't know what was going on. Uh, and then she had to pack up our entire house in five days. And uh, yeah, so, and then we were just like in this limbo period. We've dealt with um, supervisors who have had what we call moral failure, mm. uh, you know, which can be infidelity uh, amongst other things. Yeah. And, uh, so there's. <laughs> And then in our time as team leaders, and we've had problems with our teammates in the past. Mm. And like you said, one of the main reasons people go home is interpersonal conflict. Mm. And that is the absolute truth. Wow. Uh, our enemy just, man, what an easy way mm. to get us. And, uh, you know, it has to do with, it could be like, well, I can't believe they treated me this way or I deserve better than this or mm. there's a lot of thinking in that. And that isn't right. And, 
So one of the ways we, both as a person being supervised and one that supervises others, that we try to avoid those type of situations is through very clear expectations. And that's on both sides. If you feel as one that's being supervised that you don't have clear expectations set for you, you have the responsibility to bring that up. Don't wait on your supervisor to do it. Okay. We didn't know our supervisor's expectations. We thought we were doing everything right. And our supervisor never complained until a year in. And then they were just like, uh, yeah, you're one year into three years and we're not going to recommend you to come back. Uh. And that was the first interaction with, you're not meeting our expectations. Wow. And, I mean, we were heartbroken. Yeah. I mean, I remember weeping in front of my supervisor, like, how do, I'm so confused yeah. how we've come to this point. Hmm. And so, uh, and this is, uh, this expectations talk is applicable, not just to Michigan. Oh, across the board, across the board. That's exactly what I'm sitting here thinking. Like, this right here is wisdom for every single person. Absolutely. Oh man! Like we, we, you're a mechanic or a missionary, make sure please, you know what's expected yeah. of you, and take the initiative to find out if you don't know. Yep, that's and such good advice. Somebody you want to say these are the expectations we have for you. That's right. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. Both man. sides of that. Another thing that has kept us in the field is um, sense of humor. Mm. You have to find humor in just about anything <laughs> and find ways to laugh and find joy in daily life. Even when it involves going to government offices, <laughs> you know, I even joke with them because it makes me a little bit less stressed out. Yeah. Like the amount of paperwork you need going to these foreign government offices, like just to get something simple done, <laughs> you never have enough. So I've learned to bring everything. And so I'm joking and going in there. I'm like, okay, I've got birth certificate here. Here's my marriage license. I have stool samples in the car. If you, (laughs) (laughs) and they just look at me all funny and they might not get it, but I got it. And it kept me. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Once again, I'd say that's good wisdom for any role in life, any, any job, Uh, man, we got to laugh, man. It's so good for us. Absolutely. It's good for us. Overseas, that your marriage, I mean, the person mm. that's provided for you to walk this path, mm. uh, you have to be just totally honest in your feelings, even when it can make you feel somewhat ashamed. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that, so last time we came home, we stayed for a full year because uh, we had been in a really hard place and we came okay pretty much emotional wrecks. Mm. And uh, I wasn't sure I really wanted to go back. Mm. Um, and I told my wife, and there's a shame in that. Yeah. It's yeah, you feel like you're letting her. Well, no, I mean, you feel like you're let, you you had this. I mean, the establishment of your relationship was was missions. Y'all kind of yeah. You spend a week fasting. This is what you're called to do. Of course, you're kind of like, man, I don't know. No, can I tell her that? Like, I could see the tension in your heart. Like, I I don't. I feel like I'm letting. I would feel like I'm letting her down. I gotta. And even though God knows our hearts, mm. saying it out loud, I felt like mm. I was failing God. Mm. You know, 
it's like we have this silly notion that like if I don't say it out loud, even God's kind of like, I wonder what he's thinking. <laughs> As if, you know. And, uh, so I told her like, I don't know if we should go back. Mm. Uh, I don't feel capable. How many months in after being home was that conversation? Um, like you were here for a year. When did that happen? I'm just curious. It, it was kind of throughout. Okay. Uh, you know, and like, how are you feeling now? And I, I was yep. getting better throughout that time. Yep. And it was, and my, and the, the crazy thing, like the, one of the reasons I also felt just like a complete and utter uh, turd, for lack of a better word, was that <laughs> when I told my wife, like, are you sure we should be going back? What do you think? And she's like, of course we're going back. Like, why not? And I'm just like, uh, yeah, me too. You know, <laughs> just, no, just I, asking, just checking. <laughs> I was just checking on you. I mean, of course I'm rock solid. No, uh, <laughs> I did tell her the truth. I was like, well, I'm just kind of messed up. Yeah. So we ended up going back. I felt like we were good enough at that point. Mm. And, uh, my wife who had been like solid that whole time, like, uh, she's trying to understand where I was coming from. <clears throat> she, so we're flying and we get the first layover that's actually in the region, in the Middle East. And you see women wearing niqabs, which is like the ninja thing. Mm. Uh, she looks at me and goes, what are we doing? Like, we're in no shape to be coming back here. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, information that would have been useful to me yesterday. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but anyway, man. so we go to, we're in a new country, and we go to visit our supervisor for dinner the next night. We are jet lagging, like, hard. It's a 10-hour time difference. Mm -hmm. Nights are days. Everything's backwards. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're having dinner. His, our kids and his kids are at the table and I break down weeping in the middle of dinner. Wow. And I'm just like, I don't know. I think I may be completely broken. Mm. I don't know if I can be put back together and be useful, wow. to, God again, useful to God again. And mm. Of course, that's human thinking. But, For sure. Uh, yeah. But that's honest and transparent. I mean, yeah. And I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it was the jet lag that made me that honest with my, my supervisor, <laughs> um, but it was good. Yes. And it was over these, I mean, it didn't take long to feel healing while we were in the, mm, that's awesome. Uh, you know, we're in a very good place now. And we're so thankful for that. Well, and it's such a great example because I think uh, you've, been a couple of times you've kind of referenced just that transparency and honesty. A lot of times we do, whether it's something you feel like you need to tell your spouse or something, how you feel about a certain change. We do, man, we suppress it. We say, ah, I better not say anything. And that stuff comes back to get you worried. You're like, how much better off are you today? Having gotten that out? Yeah. You know, like you said, I mean, the I think that's part of the healing process. It really is. I mean, how can we expect to, to work through those things, stay in silent on it. So I, I'm glad you shared that because I think it's a great example of how we've got to be willing. And even if it comes, who knows, maybe it was jet lagging on, but somewhere deep down, I mean, that was going on, you know, to what degree it contributed to how it came out and when it came out, uh, you know, but it did. And uh, I always think, you know, I'm, I'm happy um, at least on the back end of things when I'd rather them come out than not, you know, even if it doesn't come out like the way we'd want it to. So, yeah. Well, 
Well, you've mentioned some challenges to um, your to being a missionary. I mean, man, the moves, the sometimes that emotional roller coaster. If you've you've had some significant challenges and you get to come home and then and then you're working and processing through that. But clearly, um, you guys do love what you do. Uh, you've been doing it for a long time now. So, what is what is one of the things you love most about being a missionary? Oh man. So one thing I tell a lot of people when we come home, we speak at churches and all that. And uh, so one thing we actually cannot stand hearing that we hear all the time <laughs> is, oh, you're our heroes. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And it just kind of makes us, our skin crawl a little bit. Mm. Okay. And I'll all right, ex- yeah. 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 I want to hear uh, The reason is, the reason we stay overseas and the reason we can is because God has gifted us with the ability to live in a foreign culture. Well, mm. <clears throat> doesn't mean we don't have problems. We certainly do, mm. but we, you know, just an adaptability mm. uh, with that. But the reason it bothers us is because we're not doing anything that all of us shouldn't be doing, mm. we're doing the exact same thing that people here in the American church should be doing. It's just a different, it's a different context. That's great. Yeah. 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 So I tell people like, look, if you're sharing the gospel in America, then you're my hero. So you Mm. see that mean like, and the very basics of our faith shouldn't make us heroes of each other. This Mm. is just what, what we do, Mm. you know, and that's good, man. I know That's good. A funny story that kind of goes along with that is our kids didn't even know what we did <laughs> until uh, last time we came home. <laughs> our kids were like 10, 8, and 6. Nice. And we never told them that we were missionaries. Mm. Uh, we always just said, I mean, we had to have jobs to be where we were. Yeah. Yep. Uh, granted, they weren't quite as full time of jobs as others. But we always told them, like, no matter what you do, this is part of what it means to be a Christian. Mm. You know, mm. sharing the gospel, That's good. loving others. And um, even when we came home last time, actually, when we told our kids, our oldest was like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> that explains uh, a lot. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. It also meant... Uh, that I'm sorry, I got to clear my throat. <clears throat> Last time uh, we came home, before we left overseas, our kids were like, "What is all this stuff I'm seeing?" Like, because they, I would listen to the news, mm. and they'd be like, "What's all this thing about Target and bathrooms?" And it was that whole, you know, transgender LGBT. Mm. And, um, so our kids living in, you know. Islamic countries where, you know, it's like Russia says, we have absolutely no, no homosexuals. They don't exist. Mm. It's like, yeah, right. Mm. Uh, But it's suppression. Yeah. And it's, there's a heavy form of suppression in that regard in Mm. countries too. It exists, but it's so under the table that it's never discussed. Mm. Now here in America, you know, there, that was a big ordeal in this bathroom. Mm. Yeah. And so we had to, we kind of said, de-enlighten our children <laughs> mm. situation of America. Mm. And I said, look, uh, in an, all over the world, there are people 
who don't understand God's plan for their lives, mm. meaning to have a husband if you're a, a woman and to have a, mm. a man. And some want to marry, men want to marry men and women want to marry women. And some people are confused about, you know, they were born a boy, but they think they were meant to be a girl. And I said, it doesn't really matter. We have to love them Hmm. and hate. And this is something we touched on a lot last time we were home because there was such Hmm. a crash about the Syrian refugees coming over. Hmm. And people hating. And the saddest thing was the most hate that came was from the church. Mm. We could see. And I understand we we felt like our morals were under attack. Mm. But nowhere in the Bible is there any justification for hate. Mm. You can, and I do not like this whole hate the sin, love the sinner mm. cliche. Yeah. Yeah. We love the sinner. We can disagree with it. But we don't want that hate of the sin to transfer mm. to our loving of sinners. Yeah. No, that's a great perspective because oftentimes that can bleed over. You know, yeah. just that's yeah. that's a good that's a good observation. Yeah. And it's just a very uh important thing to remember is that we're called to love the sinners. Yeah. And we can't do that if we refuse to associate with them. Mm. That's a great, what a cool thing that you observed with it, like teaching your kids, like, Hey, you know, all over the world, like that was, I I love the distinction you made and helped them see, you know, a lot of ways, just look, there's brokenness that we're talking about brokenness. How do we, how do we bring light to it? How do we bring life to it? And the same goes right now. Uh, I think the relevant discussion right now in the exact same regard about love and hate in the season we're in is politics. Yeah. I don't want to go for sure. politics and that's what not this isn't what this podcast is about. But we can love our democratic or liberal neighbors and disagree with them. Mm. And we can have a cogent, respectful dialogue with them. Okay. And we actually were just in Gatlinburg yesterday. And the sheer number of Confederate flags may be very uncomfortable. Mm. Um, but yeah. t-shirts, it's like, and like I said, this isn't a political thing. I'm just showing yeah. the temperature of where we're at right now. Yeah. And t-shirts I see people wearing that says like, Trump 2020, make the liberals cry again. And why is mm. it about that? Yeah. We can vote for our beliefs and that's fine. Mm. But we need to love our liberal neighbors. We've lost that ability. Like I love, you know, when we, when it's, it's, I would say it's not even, we can, we should be able to have and engage in conversations, but we've gotten to the point to where the minute we hear something that we disagree with, I mean, you know, hatred and rage is what you see. I mean, that's I'm right. You're wrong. And until you agree with me, I'm going to shove this down your throat. Yeah, which I mean, you know, I do think it's it's relevant to this discussion because I probably is it fair to say that a huge part about being a missionary is a humble attitude that just wants to learn about the culture you're in and 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 ask questions and really listen and not be offended when they don't think like you or act like you or believe like you do. I mean, is that fair? I mean, I think that's the to me that's the common ground that that you get to live every day that you're challenging us to think about is that you know, we as believers, 
Um, I feel like it's such a cool opportunity we have to find common ground with everyone and to talk with people and to ask questions. And, you know, it, it is a polarizing culture. Um, it's very much divided in so many ways. And so um, I'm certainly grateful for any opportunity that we have. And, and we can be challenged to think about how I might in my conversations and in my interactions with people can do it a different way. Like the way of Jesus, right? Which is yeah, to love your enemy. Love yeah. Christ, yeah. Even through our political conversations. Yeah. Or yeah. conversations with homosexuals or transgenders or whatever. And I, I remember I went to the DMV in Colorado. I was getting my license renewed. This was years ago. And there's this person there that has, as long as I can remember, worked there. It's a, definitely a guy who has, I don't know if he's transitioned or what, but is living his life as a woman. And uh, asked me a question. He did, uh, she did, and I said, "So I, I said yes, sir." And immediately, my heart sank. Like any hope that I would ever have of sharing the gospel with this person was immediately sunk mm. because I and it was totally subconscious. I didn't mean to do it. Uh, yeah, but that would be hurtful to that person. And so I'm not saying I'm endorsing it yeah. or encouraging it or anything, but I can be a respectful human. Exactly. Yeah. Because but with the, with the understanding of the goal is this person to understand the gospel, which will change them. Yeah, but, but, exactly. but me, but me, I think the default we make and it's, and you know, is that we think we can convince people of what is quote unquote right. And, and maybe it is right, but, but you can be wrong and you can be right and still be wrong. And I think, you know, that's what I hear your idea and wrong in your delivery. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of times people put too much weight on their own words, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, when in reality, I mean, yes, the gospel ultimately will be words that we're speaking or reading the Bible with them or whatever, but, but that doesn't, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a very, um, it's a very freeing thing for me personally when I go on campus and I talk to students and I, I understand that, look, only God can change this person's heart. Yeah. So if I'm talking to an atheist or a homosexual, whoever, like I'm, I'm going to have a fun conversation and fun in the sense that I actually find it very refreshing to dialogue with people who believe very different than me because um, it gives us the chance to, to prove to the world and to the, he, me and this person that this is still possible. Like, like we can be humans, we can interact. And by the way, we still have common ground <laughs> and, uh, or I believe we do, right. They may deny that God has put us here, but, uh, but we can still like, in my mind, it's like, look, we got common ground. And by the end of those conversations, there's a relationship established. And in my mind, it means that that's an open door for the gospel. So yeah, I think, um, no, that's, that's great, man. The way we interact today seems to have flip-flopped James 119. Hmm. And we are what, so, remind me of James. Oh yeah, that's it. We are quick to speak. Yeah. Quick to angry. quick, quick to get angry. Yeah. Ain't that the truth, yeah. man? And I love that. And I think you're exactly right, man. We have flip-flopped it. Yeah. And, uh, and even overseas as a missionary, I mean, I listen to the people hmm. and you know, I mean, they're going to be telling me about their faith. But I'm not going to just immediately go, well, this right. and this, you know. 
Yeah, how, how good does that work, by the way? <laughs> that probably doesn't yeah, go right. so good. Yeah, let me uh, insult Muhammad real quick and see how <laughs> Let me tell you all the reasons why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's the same here in, in America right now. Yeah. If you are trying to share the gospel and you also make a cut at Democrats, you've lost 50% of your popu- of your audience. Yeah. You yeah. And yeah, there, that's a great... If I were to make a cut at Islam... It's hundred percent of my audience. Mm-hmm. You know? That's exactly and, right. Yeah. So it's, I need to listen to these people and I need to honestly, like if we don't love those who are uh, not the same of us as us, then we're going nowhere. Mm. And yep. if I don't love, and if you don't do it honestly, then your heart's not in the right place to actually mm. share the gospel. And even if your words are right, they're not received. Mm. Well, and I love the thing that comes to my mind when we talk about um, quick to listen, it means that, and Jesus displayed this really well for us, but just asking questions and mm-hmm. and sincerely listening, like you've said, if I go into a conversation with someone and I just ask questions and then, and then I just ask another question and then I listen and I ask another question, I just feel like that kind of breaks down a whole lot of barriers. Because what they're used to, I mean, I've had a homosexual on campus tell me as soon as I ask them a question, like, hey, man, crazy question. What percentage chance do you have of going to heaven or uh, of heaven when you die? And this particular young man said, oh, man, you don't want to talk to me about this. And I was like, oh, what? Uh, no, why, why is that? And long story short, his experience with Christians had been the minute they they found out he declared himself homosexual, they just wrote him off. Oh, you're going to go to hell no matter what. And so essentially he didn't know that a Christian would be open to having that conversation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, I think God uses just that, <laughs> that James one nineteen that quick to listen and really just asking questions and listening. I think that opens up doors and it earns people's ear. Um, they're a lot more yeah. willing to listen kind of where you're at on it. And earn is the word there. You have to earn it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, tell me this, man. I know, um, you know, obviously a big part of being a missionary and you mentioned this earlier and I love the challenge of, Hey, like, I mean, we're doing exactly what I hope everybody who loves Jesus is doing. Right. But it is significant that you're doing it in a cross-cultural context. So, um, and you said it well earlier that you, God has kind of made your family to adapt really well and to kind of live in a foreign environment with a different language where they, things are just different um, than where you grew up and, and you guys adjust really well to that. So, um, man, what kind of wisdom would you want to share on cross-cultural ministry? I mean, we do have students here that love to welcome and befriend international students and, and also others who are listening who may want to get into missions. So um, what's some wisdom you would give just on cross-cultural ministry? Uh, there's going to be a lot of people in the field that have been doing this a long time. Um, when, if you were to go overseas, Mm. um, and I think it's very easy when you go on a short term trip to kind of have that learner's attitude because you just have no idea and you're completely at the mercy of the missionary over there that's asked you to come help with something. Mm. I mean, they're going to be making sure you find your way around and this and that, but if you go over on a longer-term type deal, it can be very easy to show up, especially after you've had a couple months of training, thinking mm-hmm. you have a clue. <laughs> you're going to show up the expert? <laughs> you don't. 
and I mean, I did that in some regard too. Mm. Um, but, and you also have to remember you're going to people, the other missionaries there that have been hurt, mm. gone through difficult situations and you don't know their story. And to assume that, and that's part of that whole elevated ideal of other missionaries, of missionaries in general, you know, like they think we have our act together. Oh, mm. please. Like, I mean, if you could see me interact with my family sometimes, it's like, how many times do I have to tell you to cap the toothpaste? Why is this so difficult? Like, what is it going to take? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and we go through all the same frustrating things with our family as any other, anybody else. And we have the same struggles with making sure we have our times alone with the Lord and avoiding pitfalls. And, you know, we're not different than y'all. And the people, if you go overseas, are not different than you are either. And feelings can be hurt. Mm. This just goes back to that interpersonal conflict thing. But if people want to help learners, you know, mm. you show up and you just kind of have this attitude of, you know, I'm going to save everybody, you know, mm. <laughs> you know, you think you come up with these ideas before you ever land of what you think might work. And people have been doing this a long time. And that doesn't mean don't talk about the ideas, Yeah. but you know, like just be like, you know, so ask what they've done, mm. you know, don't say, well, mm. I have this idea, yeah. you know, be willing to listen to what's been done. And it could be in that time, where they're sharing the answer, you pretty quickly realize, oh, well, that ain't going to work, mm. you know, but, and I applaud the, the trying to have vision and trying to think of new things, but you really need to, and sometimes working outside of the box is a good thing. Mm. Um, I mean, sometimes I've been known as a, little crazy in the field doing some things <laughs> that other people wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. There's always a line and I don't cross the line for sure. Uh, but I push it and I, I like to, you know, push the edge of the envelope in that regard. Mm. So I don't think being too safe is healthy, but I also think being too risky is unhealthy. Yeah. Um, but you know, going off of what other people, have experienced and learning from them. Mm. That's awesome. No, I think, you know, what I hear you saying is, is it's kind of, it's interesting how that same principle applied to when we talked about, um, we will, it's come up a couple of times in our conversation, just, you know, being a learner and asking questions and really listening. It's amazing how that will benefit you in a major way in life from learning and from, and even you're right, like paying attention to how God can use you. And so that's awesome, man. Well, um, man, what about, is there anything, you know, if, if we have a listener that, that is kind of feeling called towards missions, you know, maybe they were like your wife who, who felt, you know, that call early on and, and what kind of advice would you give them, uh, as a, you know, either their high school, college, you know, they're kind of feeling that call Any kind of advice you would point them towards. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, if you have a mentor, definitely be discussing it with them. Mm. And I definitely recommend having one. Um, 
but also if your church has any people in the field, you could always, I mean, I can't think mm. of people that would say no to this, but I mean, mm. somebody recently emailed us from within the company and said, Hey, this person's thinking about coming over long-term kind of in your area. Would you be willing to have a video chat with them? And so this person got to talk to us, you know, for a good 45 minutes to an hour and ask nice. questions. And, you know, most of us out there are pretty willing That's cool. to encourage people to, if they're feeling that, that tug towards mm. cross-cultural ministry, mm. we love it. I mean, that's our, mm. that's our thing. So we love to talk about it. That's cool. And uh, so, That's a great practical thing. Reach out to people you know and have a conversation with them. That's great. You're right. That's good. And if you don't know of anybody, you can go through a mission organization and see if there's somebody that they could connect you with. Uh, I mean, this was just somebody knew that person, that person knew us, mm-hmm. you know. That's cool. Kind of similar. Like we met this couple here recently. It's all about connecting through the body. Mm. And this guy moved to America when he was like 18 to go to college from India. Uh, he came to faith and his family was actually really okay with it. They were Hindu. And, uh, but his family now, his mom and dad are getting pretty close to faith. But they wow. have no one to disciple them. Mm. And so I said, hey, I mean, we were just having dinner at their house. And I said, let me contact a friend I know in India and see if we have anybody in that city. And they, they could go sit with your folks and, you know, work with them. And I think we found somebody just yesterday. I got a text. Oh, so that's cool. It's just that. I mean, the body is... This is, that's the way the body's supposed to work. Mm. You know, I mean, we're here for each other and all for the same goal. Mm. That's good. Yeah. I appreciate that. Well, man, is there anything else you want to share just in, in closing that you would like and to? If any of your listeners wanted to have a chat, if I'm available, I'll chat with them. Awesome. Yeah, I was. I, that's what I was sitting here thinking. I was like, well, I mean, we we are connected with some, and I'm connected with you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we we've got resources. If you're hearing this and saying, hey, I'd like yeah. to chat, uh, we can hook you up. So, yes, please yeah. let us know. And you're not without experience yourself, man. Well, but I'm not gonna. I'm I'm sending them to you guys, man. The the my true he- <laughs> my true heroes. <laughs> Whatever. Don't. Me, man. Just All right. All right. All right. Well. Uh, Man, I, I appreciate you, though, and thanks for doing this podcast. I feel like we could yeah. talk for another hour. Um, we're going to have to do probably a part two and uh, because I that do. It's, me, well, it's fun hearing about this, and I think, um, you know, you brought out a lot of good things that, that I think are so helpful for people to hear. Yeah. And, and I like how, um, you know, I just think it's neat, even in going back to the beginning of your story, how you kind of thought, hey, I'm interested in this and you were willing to explore it. And I feel like that's what I'm trying to challenge our students to do is that if God, if you feel like God's kind of getting your attention in an area, then don't be afraid to explore that. I mean, who knows what might happen? Maybe he redirects, maybe he opens up doors, maybe he closes them, but there's only one way to find out and that's to start walking through them. And that's exactly what you did. And, and, you know, even going back to where you're like, I don't know, I just really feel like I need to go home uh, for 
for this December and look what happened. You know, you meet your wife through all that. That's crazy. You know, you get 10 hours with this. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I love that. I had not heard that story. That's pretty cool. And if I had, I forgot about it. The three of us that have been praying about or praying for our wives in that small group together, we all got married within a month of each other. Wow. Come on. That's cool. Yeah. That's fun, man. Well, well, thanks. man. Or we were groomsmen in each other's weddings. That's neat. That is cool. Well, I, I do appreciate you, Ryan, for uh, for coming on and for making time. And uh, yeah. we're cer- certainly grateful for you guys and the experience you guys have and, and just the ways God's using you in a cross-cultural context and, and for giving you some time here in the States to help bring some peace in this crazy, chaotic stuff we got going on right now. So uh, now the challenge is just getting back overseas. With the, that's right. So. That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. I got ideas for part two, so let me know if you're up for it. I really am. Yes. I'm I, yeah. Part two. Here we go. I'm, I'm up. So we'll, we'll make it happen. So, okay, sounds uh, good, man. well, thank you, my friend. And until next time, uh, thank you guys for listening. I do hope and pray that you heard things that can be practical to you. I know there were a lot of things mentioned just that for all of us, we can apply now. And certainly if you do feel like God is calling you towards missions, I would want to encourage you to reach out to me. Uh, and we want to help you explore that more as Ryan was talking about. So we want you to be faithful to explore it and give you resources to do so. So uh, we're grateful for this time. And until next time, I'm Justin Myrick, encouraging us all to stay connected to church, connected to each other, and most importantly, connected to the God we love and serve. God bless.